BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey guys, ML here. If you're looking to start a podcast, start with Buzzsprout. If you let them know we sent you through the link below. You get, when you sign up for a paid plan, you get a $20 Amazon gift card. How cool, right? You get free money for signing up to get your podcast started. So Buzzsprout gets you the show listed every major podcast platform that you need. That's Amazon, that's Google, that's Alexa, every place. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio plays that you can drop into your own website, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episode, and so much more. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Just wanted to let you know and share the love. Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Ruschak. Our today's sponsor is Red Carpet Rocks and their beautiful designers. Our, we have author of Remembering Hope. Welcome. I'm going to let you sir. pronounce your name because we already tried this and I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> sure. My name is Paris Stu Rezai and I'm the author of the novel Remembering Hope. Now, where did you come up with this book? So this is a fiction that I wrote. It took me about two and a half years to write it. Although it is a fiction, it was inspired by true events. And so there were certain circumstances that occurred in my life, which brought me to the idea that it is a story that I wanted to share with the people at large and be able to really um, talk about certain hardships and certain triumph. Um, triumphs that we experience as human beings. And there's a lot of uh, those aspects in the story where we're looking at individuals that are confronted with insurmountable uh, circumstances and how really they, they wade through all of these difficulties and find triumph. That's awesome. I mean, we need so many more inspirational 
books out there, fiction, nonfiction, anything that lifts us up because everyone's going through hardships, regardless if it's money, if it's health, if it's circumstances, whatever it is, we need to be able to see there's light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. And, and really, this story is talking about certain difficulties. And just to give you a summary of what it's about, it's essentially a story of a Iranian-American couple that ends up meeting on a blind date with uh, the female character named Bahar, who lives in Iran, is a successful lawyer, and uh, in, in a gentleman who lives in San Diego in the U.S., and he's also Iranian-born, um, but has lived in the U.S. for a very long time. He's a physician. And they're set up on a blind date in England by uh, Bahar's best friend, who happens to be the cousin of, of the uh, gentleman, Omid. And so they meet in London, they fall in love, and they decide to get married and start a new life in the U.S. And they are together for a period of 20 years, have a blissful life with two children, and uh, really free from any adversity. And one day... Uh, Omid, who's the husband, ends up getting diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so this is where really the spiral begins in terms of Bahar, you know, where his, it's basically her, the love of her life is, mm -hmm. is uh, having a difficulty. And so she has to try to help him and try to heal um, and, and also be able to be a mother, a wife, a daughter, a sister, and um, play all of these roles and also try to figure out what she can do to survive in, and um, be able to be uh, finding a job to help with the finances, be able to, to be the caretaker uh, and, and be able to support everyone. At the same time, she now has to uh, cope with another unexpected illness that she's diagnosed with. And so it's really a journey of, of where one individual has to go through inner strength and, and look within to see how she can cope with these hardships and then also a, a testament to how much friends and family really matter, you know, and, and how they are really the individuals that we tend to lean on and be able to surround ourselves with whenever we have these circumstances. So again, what I want for the reader when they read this book is not really <clears throat> uh, think, well, I don't have, you know, a brain tumor, I don't have breast cancer, et cetera, but really understand that there, they could have one aspect of these difficulties where they may have economic hardships, they may have emotional hardships, right. they may have some illness, like you said, and especially now that we're dealing with the COVID <clears throat> pandemic, there's a lot of different hardships and different, you know, colors and um, different aspects. And where do we get that hope from? Where do we find that resilience? And, and how do we triumph over any of these hardships? And, and that's really what the message of, uh, of this book is. Exactly. It's 2011. I had to overcome having two strokes and brain surgery at the age of 28. Wow. It takes you from being in the moment of living your life to where am I now? So you have to find that inner strength because if you don't find the inner strength, how are you going to survive in today's society? Exactly. And it's, it's almost like you find superhuman powers at that moment when you're called upon to, to fight something. And, um, you know, I, I know many individuals in my own life that have had to overcome uh, different illnesses such as cancer or brain tumor or, or surgeries. And in every circumstance, I've seen them initially, there's that element of shock, you know, mm -hmm. what, what's going to happen, what, what's going to become of me, what's going to happen to my family, etc. 
But then there's this kind of feeling of, you know what, I got this, I can take care of this, I, I can manage it. And not only can I manage it, but I can actually be able to make something better out of it as a result of having gone through this hardship, I'm now stronger than I was before. And, and, and you know, I'm able to cope with things differently than having not had gone through this experience. Right. My grandfather was big on saying what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. So going through his mentality, going through different things in my life from divorce to medical emergencies to taking care of my grandparent, my grand, yeah, my grandparents yes. and all through this is what doesn't kill you actually makes you stronger. You have to find that inner peace, inner light to move forward. Exactly. And, and, and actually, the, this is a story, again, some individuals have been telling me, you know, during COVID, why did you write such a sad story? And, mm-hmm. and my response was, this is not a sad story that's um, unique, or I'm trying to make anyone upset. It's a true reality of life. Right. These things happen. You know, we always welcome happy news. We always, you know, kind of look forward to hearing good stuff. But I think what makes us really, really strong and and be able to to learn from those experiences when we have those hardships and understand that we've overcome them and so although there are some tear-jerking moments in the book there is definitely a lot of uh, points to celebrate a lot of reasons to to really understand that we as individuals can can make anything work if we've set our mind to it and um, in, in this book, I've also put in some tidbits about, again, the, the Iranian-American heritage. So these individuals are sharing a unique culture. And so when they come to the U.S., they not only assimilate with a lot of the cultural celebrations that occur in the United States, but also bring a lot of their own culture into the mix. And being an Iranian-American myself, you know, I felt like this is something that really makes the fabric of who we are in the United States beautiful, where we can celebrate a lot of things and we can find commonality regardless of where we're born, regardless of where we are from or what we look like, that that in the end, our experiences are all similar, our hardships are all similar, and our love for one another is is similar. And so that, that's really what I'm hoping to convey with this with the story. Well, it sounds like you did a very good job weaving everything in. (laughs) I mean, we have to take so many of the diversity out. We have to look at it as we are humans. So we all face the same thing. It doesn't matter if it's a hardship or a divorce, if it's medical, financial, it's human reality. Mm -hmm. So yes, you have a sad story, but at the same time, it's reality. We can't keep sugarcoating reality and uh, shoveling everything under the rug all the time. Exactly. We need. And in fact, that's why it took me so long to write this book. It's my first novel. I, I'm actually a pharmacist by trade, so I'm not a writer. Um, and uh, it took me a long time to write this because as I was writing it, I felt a lot of emotions go through me in terms of you know, this could very easily happen to me. It could, it, it, a lot of the circumstances mirrors, you know, things that I have in my life. And, 
at a drop of a hat, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And so I had to deal with a lot of those emotions and, and really try to convey it in the story as I was writing it of, of how I would have felt, how things would have changed for me. And, and um, a lot of people that are actually reading the book are telling me, you know, as a result of this book, I had to go and get my tests done, or I, I decided to tell my husband I loved him. And, and so those are the things that really, for me, mean a lot, because I feel like I've actually had some impact on a positive level in terms of allowing someone to experience these emotions and actually act upon it. Right. It's, we need the human element in books. As authors, even if it's your first book or your 17th book, we take time to research. We take time to get to know the characters. We part ourselves in the character's shoes. Regardless if it's a fairy or if it's a reality-based book like this one, we put ourselves in that situation to see how will we deal with it. Exactly, exactly. That's that's really. Uh, I, I want the reader to take this away at once they're done with this book to say, well, had this happened to me, mm-hmm. any aspect of it, not again just one part of the illness, but just any of these aspects that happen or take place in this book, what would I do in that circumstance? How would I actually respond to it, and how would I actually improve? having gone through it and how, how will I have grown as a result of it? Right. How do we grow through diversity? How do we grow through economic crisis? How do we grow past COVID? I mean, anything you have to look within yourself. You have to find that inner strength. And I do a lot of self-help talks and stuff like this. You have to find it within yourself. You cannot find it out here without changing yourself first. You have to change here before you change anything. Exactly. I have two young kids and whenever, you know, they're having some challenge at school or any other circumstance, we always tell them experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's really, you know, I, I even encourage them. I say, you know, while you're in our house, while you're living under our roof, I want you to fail. I want you to fail as many times as you can because that's the only way you're gonna grow and the only way that you're gonna learn. Because once you're out there and you're on your own, it's gonna be a lot harder. Whereas while you're still with us, you have that safety net. So um, experience is truly what you get when you don't get what you want. And and that's all something that we can grow with and understand and appreciate. I, I tell my daughter this all the time. She's in school, she gets a certificate for participation. Well, okay, so you didn't get what you were trying to get but why are you getting an award for not doing, you know, the top, the best? You're not failing. You're not getting experience to grow when you just go, here, you participated. Here's a certificate. I'm like, that's not how you grow. You need to fail. You need to have these moments of failure, not to get it right on the first try. So you grow and learn how to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we when we give them too many things all at once, they don't really understand and, and have that thirst or hunger for, you know, for wanting it because they didn't get it the first or second time. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm, I'm all kind of on that mindset of it's okay to not get it the first try because then it just makes you even hungrier for it the second time around. Yes, it does. And they're, we're taking away that hunger from our kids. It's, mm-hmm. we need them to fail. <laughs> I mean, I do. I don't understand how people don't get this. We need to fail in order to succeed. Steps of failure build us for tomorrow. Exactly. 
Exactly. I agree with you 100%. So this is your first book. Are mm -hmm. you writing a sequel? Not yet. Um, I am entertaining the idea of it. Uh, again, this is one of those books I've been wanting to write for a long time and, mm -hmm. and have really been waiting for the right topic and the right moment uh, to explore this. And the silver lining, I guess, in COVID is that it afforded me the opportunity to sit down and, and not have anything else that I needed to do in the evenings, but to focus on my writing and finishing the novel. And um, I I would like to continue the journey of, of Bahar, you know, in this book and really uh, explore where she can go with her life now that she's done a lot of soul searching and, and really discovered who she is and what she's capable of, where that next chapter, chapter in her life will take her. So I am exploring it, but I haven't yet fully committed to it. And, and I hope it will be something that I can bring forth in, in some um, years from now on. Well, if that takes doing books, anywhere from six months to two years to write a book. We've, I've had authors that took 10 years to write the first book, took another five years to write the sequel. It just, we have to research, we have to have the time because for a lot of us, this is not our day job. Yeah. This is our hobby job that we do to share our ideas with the world, our creativity with the world, or to, hey, I got an idea here. Look at this, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm learning definitely. Again, being a scientist, I'm using a different part of my brain usually. Uh, during the day, it, having this this artistic way of expressing myself, one is just writing the book that um, took a lot of time to learn and, and improve, etc. But then there is this whole other aspect of how do you self-publish a book and how do you explore? How do you get the word out? How do you you know market? How do you showcase what the topic is and and be able to. I, I look at this as kind of my my baby, you know. I right. when I when I saw the first copy and felt it in my hand, I really felt like you know I, I had a new child. And so for me, it's about you know learning how to nurture it, how to bring it to the masses, and be able to do it justice and and right. give it an, an image that it can hold itself in in the limelight and be able to hold myself proud and and so yeah all of that is part of my experience again as we talked about so hopefully the second time around it won't be quite as long and as challenging but it's also a real labor of love for me right now well what i say to authors is especially first-time authors you're an entrepreneur you're not an author you're an entrepreneur your book is your business you have to treat it like a business or a baby and nurture. You have to do the marketing. You have to do the research. You have to find your clients. There's a lot of steps as authors we don't think about because we're creative. You have to get into the analytical, the scientific mind of the business entrepreneur to get your yeah. book to succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's definitely you have to find individuals that are the same mindsets and be able to to learn from them mm -hmm. and also add a little bit of your own experience into the mix and see you know how you can uh, develop further and hopefully you know in the next sequence of books that you publish you can improve upon some things that you didn't know about at the beginning right uh, the first book is always your learning experience this is what you learn this is your learning curve 
Wow. Now your second book, it should be a little bit easier. By your 10th book, you should be okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. and, and you know, I've, I've thought about this whole idea of sequels or series, et cetera. And, and the reason I haven't committed to it is because I want that, uh, I guess, customization of the story to, mm -hmm. to flow freely rather than the pressure of, I need to right. now add on to what I already have. I want this, the story to stand alone on itself on its own, I should say. And so I, I, I'm not doing this really as a business in terms of trying to, like you said, we all have our day jobs and this is not our main money-making scheme. So I want it to be a story that's worth telling and a story that's worth sharing. And right. uh, so I'm hoping that the inspiration for the next book will just present itself like this one did, where I feel that, that uh, urge yeah. or feel compelled you know what, this needs to be something that people know about. These people need to feel the same feelings of, of the protagonist in the story and learn from them and grow from them. And, and so that's kind of where my mindset is in terms of planning out the next book. Well, it takes a while, especially when it's not a fantasy. It's fiction, but it's not a fantasy. Fantasy, you can just create whatever you want out of thin air. When you have a realistic fiction, you have to be able to convey the emotions, convey what the people are experiencing in real time. Yes, absolutely. So it's completely different from what we normally see. Absolutely, yes. And, and yeah, in this book, I feel like I poured a little bit of myself in all the different aspects of it. And with the illness, you know, as I said, I know many people that were um, that were ill with different diagnoses. So I shared whatever information I had on that. And then being again, my heritage, I shared whatever I could on that ground. Um, being married with two kids, I tried to convey all the emotions around that. So a lot of it is, is um, experiences that, that I've felt myself as well as have um, seen in other people. And so to be able to, to draw a second book uh, with a story that's as meaningful to me uh, will definitely take some time. Well, you can always just have this as a standalone and do another book about something else or there's a lot of room for growth, but it takes time to get the feelings that, oh, here's a story I want to tell. This is a story that needs to be told, mm -hmm. or this is a story that will enlighten someone. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and there's got to be audience for, for different types of stories. And that's mm -hmm. why we have so many different genres. And yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what the future holds. <laughs> right. We have so many genres and new genres popping up all the time. It's just. And right now, I hear people all the time saying, I don't want the TV no more after COVID. I'm so sick of TV. So I'm picking up more and more books because it's just noise. We don't yes. want the noise anymore. Yeah, sometimes you have to go within for stimulus rather than look externally for something to present itself on a screen for you. Yeah, it's getting to the point where everything is noise in the background. So let's pick up a book. Then we find it in ourselves. We can put that mirror in our brain mm -hmm. and have it play out any way we want. Exactly. I'm seeing a lot of newer authors just in the last three months than I did in the last two years doing this same radio show. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a silver lining of COVID. 
with all the tragedy and, and horribleness of that we've been seeing, this is, you know, one of those silver linings. And that's what I've been telling my kids all year. Look for that silver lining. What is it that we've gained instead of lost this year? Um, and so that's one. We've got now more authors than we have before. Yeah. I, I love seeing all the new authors. I, see, I love seeing all the new creativity go, coming from this. And that's a silver lining. We now have the time, the year to write these books. We now have the year to market these books. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. So um, hopefully it'll be a continuation of many more authors and a lot more of us getting engaged in different stories and getting lost in them. Yes, we need more engagement. We need more connecting with the authors because as a reader, if you connect with the author, you can actually help us, guide us to another story. We may not even be thinking about it, but you connect with the author enough, you can actually guide them to go, oh, that would make a really great story. Yeah. One of the challenges I think of COVID for authors is probably the idea that we don't have those bookstores and we we're not able to do those social gatherings where you're sharing your story with book clubs, et cetera. And so uh, finding different opportunities by, you know, for example, talking with you, I, I, it would have been a different circumstance possibly to be able to find you, but um, being able to do this now, this, this, this way and in this virtual world um, can have a different reach and different yes. individuals that's beyond just my community and being in that bookstore that's you know next to my house and so um, I'm seeing a lot more I'm seeing a lot more of the online um, book clubs I'm seeing a lot more of the online social media author takeover events on social medias I'm seeing a lot more of the digital hey let's get a group of people and talk books just on different platforms mm -hmm. than we did a year ago. Yeah, I mean, individuals, human beings, we're resilient, right? Mm -hmm. we, we find different solutions for different circumstances. And so it's great to see that. It's great to see our, our reach kind of expanding and going beyond our bubble and, and finding people in different parts of not just the US, but also in the world and seeing you know, what people have to offer. So I'm grateful for having that opportunity and during these circumstances where we were really stuck at home for so many months and, and trying to find that point of, of uh, solace and, and that, you know, connection with people. And yes, we can't touch people, but we can still communicate in different ways. And, and definitely the virtual world has expanded and has, has been a lifeline for many, many people, I think. Yes, it has. I, I, it's, being lifelines to so many authors. We can do authors in the classroom through Skype, which would be great for you. It takes you to books clubs and schools around the world without ever leaving your house. And you get to reach so many people just that way, virtually. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, my children are doing school online, so that, that makes sense that that would be an option for authors to do that as well, to go into the classrooms and, and be able to talk about their art. As we're talking about social media, where can our viewers and our listeners find you? So I have a link tree um, link online that individuals can go under and remembering hope. Other ways of finding me is through Amazon. 
and uh, bookstory.com. So if you type in Remembering Hope, uh, you'll be able to find it on YouTube. I have Remembering Hope channel. So any, anywhere you type in Remembering Hope, you'll be able to, to find me. But if you're trying to get the book in hardcover, uh, paperback, as well as Kindle, it is available on Amazon. That is wonderful. We already love our hardcovers. I don't know if people understand that hardcovers last longer than paperbacks. <laughs> I have hardcovers of first editions that have lasted me three or four years and paperbacks last me about six months. <laughs> yeah, hardcover was an option that, I, uh, that Amazon allowed me to have. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I have that platform. I'm working on an audiobook that should be released as well soon. Awesome. And um, so I'm also looking to see uh, I can have this book translated into different languages. So um, stay tuned for that. But everything would be under my Linktree um, app or site that um, you will be able to put on for your listeners and viewers. And if you're watching our video right now, the Linktree link is above us or in the comment section. So just so you guys know, that's where all those information that you can find our wonderful author and Remembering Hope, just click on the one of the links. Yes, thank you for um, giving it a, a view and, and hopefully you'll find that is a story that, that moves you and whatever your opinion, maybe after reading it, I would appreciate a review of, um, of what you've read, just so that it would help me to grow and, and know what it is and how it has impacted you. And I see a lot of five-star reviews already. So yes, these reviews help grow and maybe bring out the sequel a little bit sooner than <laughs> two or three years. Make you further. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's very heartwarming to, to read those reviews and also be motivated that and that I should continue in this endeavor and, and share with you more of what I have to offer through my writing. Well, I thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you. It's been it, a pleasure speaking with you. It is always fun having new authors come on the show and it's always fun to have the inspirational books. Thank you. I appreciate so, it. All of our readers and happy, <laughs> all of our readers and our viewers, happy reading. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we're out. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'll have the links to you probably later today, but it won't okay. air, like I said, until Thursday. Okay. And then you have my link tree. I or... have your link tree. Okay. And I have your book link. So everything's going to be right there and I can just click as they need to. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you as well. Thank All you. Right, take care. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 